Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Tonight's class is titled, Why Did My Soul Come Down Here? Why Did My Soul Come Down Into This World? And hopefully we'll be able to begin to address and give uh, some sort of a satisfactory answer. Our mission, currently, we're in the middle of chapter 37. We're on page 174, left-hand column. And our mission at this moment is to clarify how the entire world is going to be prepared for the coming of Mashiach. We said that we allow Mashiach to come through every good deed, but our good deeds are limited. We only are in a limited part of the world. How do we elevate the entire world? We began by saying, well, when you do a mitzvah, you elevate the physical object, you elevate the cup that you put the water in, you elevate the part of your body that's connected with drinking the water. You elevate the part of your animalistic soul. You elevate the food that helped you do this mitzvah. Well, here I, I, was, I drank water. But let's say when you went ahead and you supported an elderly person across the street. Well, you ate. And that, that's keeping you alive. So you've elevated that food. But how do we really go ahead and, and substantially make a difference in this world? And that's what, where we're holding on chapter 174, left-hand column, page, one, page 100, and, sorry, chapter 37, page 174, left-hand column. It follows, therefore. Here we go. It follows, therefore, that the whole fulfillment of the Messianic era and the resurrection of the dead, how are we going to have the fulfillment of this era? And what is this era, which is a revelation of His glory and godliness, blessed be He, and the banishment of the spirit of impurity from the world, how will we bring godliness down here and banish impurity, is dependent on you and me, on the suffusion of His godliness, and of the light of the ain't so blessed is He, over the vital soul. So it's our job to bring godly God down onto the vital soul, of the community of Israel, meaning the, the, the vital soul of all of us, each one of us being a part of that. And we need to bring God down into each part of us, in all of the 248 organs. How do you bring it, Hashem down into each part of us? Through the fulfillment of all the 248 positive precepts. So how do we go ahead and bring God down? Is through doing each of the positive mitzvahs. And how do we banish the impurity and on the, and on the banishment of the spirit of impurity from it, from you and I, how through its observance of all the 365 prohibitions so that its 365 veins do not derive nurture from it. So, we fulfill the 248 positive mitzvahs to bring God down onto us. And we, full, we, we abstain from the 365 negative commandments to remove all negative energy from us. That really was a continuation from last week. But now, we're going to start talking about this detail of each one of us has a specific mission. Each one of us has a specific goal. Every item in this... Let's look at Rashi. Rashi... What's the first word of the Torah? In Hebrew, if you can? Bereshit. 
Voracious. What does voracious mean? In the beginning. Now, grammatically, voracious doesn't make sense. Without getting into the specifics of the grammar, it should have been, been written a little differently. So Rashi says, why was it written in this way? How do you say beginning? Reishit. What does Bez mean? What's the numerical value of the letter Bet? Two. Aleph is number is one, the first letter. Bet is the second letter. So Bez Reishit. Rashi says, Bez, for two things, is there a beginning? In other words, the beginning of creation. God created the world for two things. What are those two things? Well, let's look in the Torah and see which two items are called beginning. Hashem says, in the beginning. Well, when, what is the beginning? Let's see Rashi. Rashi says like this. The world was created for the Torah, which is called Rashis, the beginning. And for the Jewish people that are called the beginning of my, of my crop. So in the beginning, let's read a little differently. Instead of Be-Rashis, let's read Be-Rashis. There are two be- the world was created for two things. Why was the world created? For the fulfillment of the Torah by the Jewish people. The world, the entire world was created for the fulfillment of the Torah by the Jewish people. Also so God could come here. Oh, how will God come here? Through the Jewish people fulfilling the Torah. Are you familiar with the statement in the Haggadah? In the Haggadah we learn, you know, there's a crazy story. What happened? Joseph was sold by his brothers. You ever heard of a, a brother selling their selling a relative? Unfortunately, you do hear tragic stories of people killing their brothers. Unfortunately, we hear such we hear such tragic stories. But the idea that eleven brother or the ten ten brothers are going to gain nine brothers because one of them was gone, <laughs> but numerous brothers are going to gang up and put their brother in a pit and then sell him. And the Torah calls these people holy. These are our... We're not embarrassed to say we come from Shimon. If you come from the tribe of Shimon, you're a lucky person. They were holy people. And they sold their brother. Is that enough of a sin to wipe you off if you sell your brother? See me? You would think so. So I do know that in the JLI upcoming course, one of the fascinating stories that there'll be a full course on will be this story of Joseph. So I'm not going to get into the depth of it. I just want to share one point. In the Haggadah we learn that it... Let's just continue the story. So Joseph was taken down into Egypt. From that whole story, Jacob came to Egypt. It was a divine story. In the Haggadah we learn that if Jacob didn't go down, by himself, he would have gone down in chains. This is a quote. Let me quote to you from the Agadah. In other words, Hashem said, I need Jacob in Egypt. He could go. I could try and help him go. I'll have his son, I'll have his son sold there. And hopefully, he'll get the message. 
But if he's not going to go, he's going he's gonna to end up going in chains. Jacob is going to end up going in chains? Or, or Jacob. Hmm. Let's, let's read it here. Give me one more moment. If I don't find it, we'll continue. Baby. Oh, you know... It's not clear in the Haggadah. It must be a Gemara. It must be a Gemara. But the, what the Haggadah does say is, and he went down to Egypt forced by divine decree. Elsewhere we learn that if he, he, he was going to get to Egypt, and if not by himself, in, in another way. So wherever we are is divine. L- let me read you another quote. This is more of a Kabbalistic quote. God told Abraham to travel, right? In Parshas Lech Lecha, in the third Torah portion, mm-hmm. Hashem tells Abraham, He says, Go forth, leave your family and travel. So here's a quote. Ever since God told our father Abraham, Lech Lecha, go from your land. And then the Pasuk, the verse continues, they, And Avram kept traveling southward we have the beginning of the mystery of Birurim. Since then is the beginning of the mystery of Birurim. Birurim means purification. By decree of divine providence, man goes about his travels to the the place where the sparks that he must purify await their redemption. Wise men, tzaddikim who have vision, see where their specific birur await them and go there deliberately. So a tzaddik knows where he needs to go to do his job. As for ordinary folk, the cause of all causes and the prime mover, God, brings about various reasons and circumstances that bring these people to the place where lies their obligation to perform the avoda of purification. So I'm sure you've had a story where you ended up somewhere where you had no intention to go. I don't know if you went on the wrong plane, but uh, Mark, you ever drove some... Did your flight ever get diverted somewhere? Or uh, you ever made a stopover that you have no clue why you made a stopover? Yeah. But, like, why am I there? Why are you there? Yeah. So I shouldn't put you there. Yeah, I know. For a reason. Yeah. Which is awesome that you know that. We don't all know that. Sometimes we think that we were punished. You know, Hashem is... The things that have happened are not coincidences. Exactly. I- I'm on your team. <laughs> so wherever we go, we have a mission there. And how Tanya is going to put it now is 
the world is divided into 600,000 parts. And each one of our souls is responsible for one of those parts. Let's see that inside. For the community of Israel comprising 600,000 particular souls is the source of life for the world as a whole which was created for their sake. As I quoted to you from Rashi, the world was created for the Jewish people to do Torah. So, this is the source of life for the world. And each one of them contains and is related to the vitality of one part in the 600,000 of the vitality of the world, which part depends on his vital soul for its elevation to God. Okay, so each one of us have a specific part of the world waiting for us. How do we elevate it? Through its own, the soul's elevation by virtue of the individual's partaking of this world for the needs of his body and vital soul in the service of God. So when we go ahead, for example, eating, drinking and the like, or his dwelling or all, all your utensils, when you use them out for holy purpose, you've taken your portion in this world and elevated it. So Hashem puts you exactly where you need to be at the right time. And you have a job. Any questions? No? So now, Tanya's going to divert for a second and talk about how there's... Today, how many Jews are there? 10 or 12 million. 10 or 12 million. But we, oh, go ahead, please. Is this the number at um, Mount Sinai, 600,000? So, it's a good question. It's the number of men between 20 and 60 at Mount Sinai. In other words, so the number at Mount Sinai was closer to 2, 3 million the number of, of men between 20 and 60 was, was 600,000. Is that related to this number? Absolutely, yeah. That's like a, we say as a whole that there's 600,000 Jewish people. But you're telling me there's 12 million. So maybe they're not Jewish? I don't know. What, what's, what's the story here? Is there 600,000 Jewish people? Or could there be more? Tanya answers the class. It's a classical question. And what Tanya is going to share is, I don't even know how to pronounce the number. So let's do a little math together, okay? Tanya is going to, how many worlds are there? We've learned together there are four worlds. Atsilos, Berea, Yitzira, and Asiya. Within each world, there are three parts of the soul. So the soul has five parts. It has Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chai, and Yechida, five parts. However, three of the parts are within each soul. Okay. So let's repeat that. There's four worlds, and in each world, the soul has three parts. So how many parts of the soul are there now? What's three times four? Twelve. So now, Tanya is going to say, each one of these twelve parts has its own 600,000 souls. Okay, so now how many souls do we have? What's 600,000 times 12? 7.2 million. Okay. Now comes the hard part. Each one of these 7.2 million has 600,000 souls. So now do the math. What's 7.2 million? 43.2 million. 7.2 million times 600,000. Yeah. 7.2, 1, 2, 3, 4, 
five probably close to times six hundred thousand. Four point three two to the twelve. So how much? Oh, is it? Close. It was like four billion. Close, no, no, it's much, much more. It's like a tri It's in. It's above the trillions. Yeah. But I said four hundred thirty-two million. So that was that. It's if I looked up the number. Well, and I'll do the I'll do the math a little easier for you. Every soul. I'm I'm confusing myself. Let's see it inside. Let's see the words. Okay. The, yet these 600,000 particular souls are roots. Mm -hmm. And each root subdivides into 600,000 sparks. Okay, so let's stop there for a second. Every one of the 600,000 is 600,000 souls. So what is 600,000 times 600,000? 36 billion. I think that's what I... I, I oh, wow. 36 with 11 zeros. Oh, 11 zeros is, makes it a billion? I don't know. I'm just going to assume that that's what that means. Oh, that's crazy. Six, nine, 11, 11 zeros? Okay. So let's, let's not stop there for a second. Well, no, this is what's really fascinating. Each spark being one nishama. Okay, so let's say we have... 36 billion souls so far. And so with the nefesh and ruach. Okay? So there's nefesh, ruach, neshama. And each one of these has 600,000 souls. And each one of these 600,000 600, souls has 600,000 souls. So basically you now take your number and times it by three. Because we have nefesh, ruach, and neshama within each soul. Should I draw it on a piece of paper for a second? You need a big piece of paper. No, no. We, <laughs> if we could do a small piece of paper for a moment. Does anyone have a piece of paper at the bottom for a moment? What? The purpose of the numbers. Well, this is sharing how many souls there, how many Jewish souls there are. So how many Jewish souls Ever. How many Jewish souls exist? Over 6,000 years. Right. right. The, awesome. Thank all you. All the Jews that have been born and died and been born again, we have a total number. So they can only be at the end of things. They no, because they could also still duplicate. Remember, a soul could come back to life as a reincarnation. So we like could have. I did. We so, 6,000 years, is that what you said? Well, we are 6,000 years old. Well, soon. Well, and maybe also... And that's the start of Messianic. And maybe also, like, take all the Jews that come from Spain, the Moranos, maybe there would have been 50 more million souls. Or maybe those souls still exist. And we have the 10... And remember, we're only... The tribe. Two, right, we're a very small amount. So there's four worlds. I'm just doing it A, B, C, D. There's Atsilos, Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya. Four worlds. Within each world, there are three levels of the soul. So we have three, six, nine, twelve. Within each of these twelve, there are six hundred thousand souls. And each of these six hundred thousand souls have their own subdivided six hundred thousand souls. 
So it's a, it's a very, it's, it's very simple. Let's just read that inside. Yet these 600,000 particular souls are roots. And each root subdivides into 600,000 sparks. Each spark being one neshama. And so with the nefesh and ruach. So we have nefesh, ruach, neshama, three. In each of the four worlds, atzilos, bria, yitzir, and asiyah. Yeah, so now we see that there's a very substantial amount of souls. Now that we have this understanding, and we're not, we're not bothered that there's uh, not enough souls to go around, so to say. There's a lot of souls. Now we have a new issue. Why did the soul come down here? Did it come down for the soul, or did it come down for the world? Well, it came down for a soul purpose. Uh, it came down, correct, mm-hmm. correct. Did you see, did it come down for the soul, did it come down for the In other words, mm-hmm. is the soul here for itself, or is it here for the world? Is the soul doing us a favor coming down here? Or is the soul the one that came for its own benefit? Is the soul the same as its form? Yes. In this moment. We're, we're, yeah. Doesn't God send it down? Yeah, yeah. But the question is, did God bring it down here because the soul has a fault? Or is the soul here to elevate the world? Alone. In other words, of course the soul is here to elevate the world. But what's its primary soul, focus? Does the soul have its own thought process? It doesn't have its own choice. It's, oh, so it's guided by... We actually learn the soul cries when it comes down here. It's very sad. Oh, really? No, no. And, well, let's see that now. We'll see the soul is very sad. Why? And I'll get, I'll get back to your question in a moment. Do you want to finish your question first? Well... The soul, so the soul is guided by Hashem. Yeah. So therefore, it comes for the world. It doesn't come for itself. Hashem could maybe sense the soul because the soul needs purification. So it's like a father sending his child to study. There's an issue. The, stu- the child needs to study. So is the soul here for itself to gain, or is it here for the specific mission that it's on? Yes, more Basha. Uh, isn't it supposed to correct something that it didn't do in previous existence? So what happened if the previous existence was good? There's always something that it didn't... Isn't there always one mystery that it didn't perform, so it comes back? I have not heard that. I'm not saying it's not true. I haven't heard it. That's an interesting thought. You're saying that every time a soul comes down, it's lacking in something and needs to come back down. I have not heard that. Until it's complete. But then what does it do? Well, like babies. God forbid when, when babies die, um, the, soul, the, soul the, the, the purpose of that baby was to kill. Right. Yeah, the purpose of, of the child has been fulfilled. But that, does that mean that it needs to come back down for another purpose? Right. But, the, but your soul doesn't know. If the Jewish people, <laughs> we talked about at the beginning, have the, the the vitality of the world, yeah. right? Yeah. How could that be a punishment? That had to be like a a special mission. That had to be of all the souls, the few souls that came into the world to elevate the world. 
How, why would that be a correction? That would be a reward. Let's see that inside. Tanya's going to say that now. And each spark descended into this world. Now Tanya says why it's such a sad thing. Although it is indeed a profound descent. This is a substantial descent. The soul, when it's basking in God's glory above and comes down here, it's a profound descent and a state of true exile. So when the, your soul in your body right now is in true exile, that means it is, it is not in the slightest happy with where it is. Why? For even if one be a perfectly righteous person, serving God with fear and a great love of delights, in other words, even if you're, you're doing the best you can, you're on the highest level, he cannot attain to the degree of attachment to God in fear and love as before. It came down to this gross world. Not a fraction of it. We can't even come close to achieve the connection to Hashem that our soul had before it came down here. And there is no comparison or similarity between them at all. As is clear to every intelligent person. For the body cannot endure. Our body is so limiting of the soul and so on. The, the abilities that our soul has before it comes into the body is extremely higher than the ability we have now so that there's no, nothing in common. So then why did our soul come down? Nevertheless, each spark descended into this world to be clothed in a body and vital soul, says Tanya, for the sole purpose of mending them and separating them from the evil of the three impure klipot. The soul came down here not for the soul, but for the body, for the world. It's on a mission. How does it fulfill its mission? It fulfills its mission through separating the world, through separating the animalistic soul, through separating the body from the evil. And how does it do that? Through the observance of the 365 prohibitions and their offshoots. And in order to elevate his vital soul, together with its portion that belongs to it of the vitality of the world, so now he wants to elevate the world so as to join and unite them with the light of the Ain Sof, blessed is he. And how does the person do this? Which the person draws into them through fulfilling all the 248 positive precepts through the agency of the vital soul. The very one that fulfills all the active commandments as has been explained above. So it's clear here, and this is quite an important point, quite a, quite a fundamental point in life, that your descent into this world is not for your godly soul, it's for the animalistic soul, for your body, and for the world at large. So it, it is for the last few days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe when we finish, I'll play you a beautiful song. Oh. It's called Nishamala. It's a song about the soul crying, why it has come down here. And Tanya is now going to continue this point. It has also been stated in Eitz Chaim Portal 26 that the soul itself, the Shama, needs no perfecting at all. Your soul is perfect. And there is no necessity for it to be embodied in this world. 
except in order to bring down the light to mend them. The only reason the soul came here, your body's perfect. Your body is a part of God, right beneath it, from right beneath His throne. So why did He come down here to mend them, to mend the world? You know, this point to me is a very, very powerful point. It reiterates how important our, our worldwide mission here is. You know, recently Rabbi Goldstein from Chabad of Poway, where the shooting happened, he spoke in the United Nations. You could look, his, his, his speech is public. And he, spared, he shared a very important point. The point of illuminating, illuminating the world. That, that is why we're here. It's not about you. It's about, that's what we're learning. It's not about you. It's not about your soul. It's about the world at large. And this is exactly similar to the esoteric exile of the Shekhinah for the purpose of elevating the sparks. We know wherever we are, Hashem comes with us. Hashem is in, Hashem is in pain. Why is Hashem here with us? Like for the same thing, to elevate the world. Why are, so we may be in pain in this world, but our point is to bring the world even higher. Even higher. Are there any questions? I'd like to play this song with your permission. It's a beautiful and powerful song. Do you sing? Do I sing? No. Yeah. I appreciate that. But... <laughs> Do I sing? I wasn't yet. No, I'm not going to sing today. Time. Here. And I think you could even see the words here. Are you able to see it? So follow the words. Mm -hmm. I really want you to hear the words. Crap on a different version of this. Reading was okay. Yeah, we could Reading was okay, but... No, no, I want... Here. I got the idea. 
and wiping. Here, you're not going to see the word. You'll hear it clearly. And, and the soul is going to have a conversation with the angel. Yeah, yeah. The mouth of the angel. Okay, I'll send you the recording of the rest of it. But I, were you able to get the... Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. The message is clear that the, the soul is crying and it's a Gemara. Why would anybody want to be happy? Exactly. <laughs> if you say the soul is here for itself, but the soul's not here for itself. It has a job. It's a job, but it's not... It, correct, correct. So you normally you go to a job for money. Normally you go to a job for yourself. It's an assignment. It, it's it, right, 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 right. Hmm. Any questions? So look here. Let's put it all together. We've concluded something un- unbelievable. We've we've concluded these this idea. We've concluded this idea that we have the power to make change. We have the power to make change in this world, and it's up to us. So now Tanya's going to go on a new. The chapter is going to conclude 
in a new area. What's the area? The soul is here to make a difference. So why is it? First time he's going to ask about charity and then Torah study. What's unique about, we learn about charity, that charity is the mitzvah. What's unique about charity? Why is charity any better than all other mitzvahs? What if the goal of all commandments is to draw down God into this world? Why does charity draw God down into this world more than anything else? That's question A. Hmm. Question B is, we learn that Torah study, Talmud Torah connected Kulam, Torah study equal to all commandments. But Torah study is not even physical. You remember we've been learning previously that it's all about the physical mitzvah? Torah study is spiritual. It's more the speech, the thought. So how could you say the Torah study is connected to all? Torah study is the lowest on the totem pole, seemingly. Let's start off with, was the question clear about Torah study? If it's about the physical... Even in the morning when we dove in the beginning. Yeah. I don't remember the whole thing. Exactly, we're going to quote that yeah. piece. What is it? And Torah is equivalent to... That's the exactly what we're going to quote from that section. How could we say that Torah study is equivalent to all other commandments if Torah study is more spiritual? And that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for the spiritual. We're looking for the physical down and dirty mitzvah. Two questions clear? So let's focus on the, on the charity. How could we say... What's so special about charity? You, let's see it inside. In the light of the above, now that we understand that the soul is here to purify this world, one can understand why our rabbis of blessed memory so strongly emphasize the virtue of charity, declaring that it balances all the other commandments. Very powerful words. Sheshkula keneget kol all other commandments. Our charity balances all other... How many commandments are there? 613. Okay, so if you do charity, it's going to be, you're going to be able to equal the scale of 612. It's quite powerful. You see, when people ask you for charity, now you know it's not only... It's not that they're just asking you. It's actually when we say it's a partnership, it's a real thing. And in addition, throughout the... Jerusalem Talmud, it is called simply the commandment. For such was the usage of the language to call charity simply the commandment. This, if I tell you that you do the commandment, there's 613 of them. Yet, in the, you're familiar with the Jerusalem and Babylonian Talmud? It's two Talmuds. They don't use, the Babylonian Talmud used more. I'm gonna, I'll, you know what, I'm going to answer that question in a moment. Tell you about it. But the Jerusalem Talmud, when it says the commandment, it's referring to charity. What do you mean? There's another 612. Why is... So ultimately the question is, why is charity more physical? Why is charity more connected to bringing Mashiach, bringing down God into this world than any other mitzvah? It's an altruistic act. It's about giving. It's about taking something from yourself and giving it to somebody who needs it more than you do. Charity, you're letting go of your ego more than any other commandment. Is that? Charity, you're letting go. That's a very interesting point. 
We're going to learn here a few steps further, but that's a good point, that in charity you're letting go of yourself. Thank you. To talk quickly about the Jerusalem and Babylonian Talmud, there's a famous question. There, a little history first. The Jewish people were living in Israel and they were oppressed in Israel. They were being tortured in Israel. So they started going throughout the, throughout the known world, primarily to Babylonia. So in Babylonia, a great amount of Jewish people lived and they were thriving there. And that is why the, the Babylonian Talmud thrived. The Jerusalem Talmud, however, was actually cut short because the Jewish people were being oppressed there. Wasn't that because, I can't remember what emperor it was, one of the last Roman emperors that became Christian, and up until that time they could still practice Judaism, but then it became impossible. I'm, I'm not familiar. I was around that time. But, um... You ever heard the, the, the quote, Kimitsi, Kimitsi, Yon, Tetsi, Sora? The quote says, Torah comes from Jerusalem. Which brings us a big question. If there's a contradiction between the Jerusalem Talmud and the Babylonian Talmud, which Talmud do we follow? Jerusalem. The Babylonian Talmud. Oh. Why? Because the Babylonian. Well, it's not older. The, the Jerusalem Talmud is probably older. But it was completed. The, Bab the, the Jerusalem Talmud was never completed. And that actually helps us answer the question. It, the, like I said, the Jerusalem Talmud was, it was a time of oppression in Babylonia. We didn't have that oppression. And, and torture. And it wasn't properly completed. The, why, did, why were they two? Well, the Jewish people were running away from Israel. Yeah. So some people were sticking it out. So those people who stuck it out, they had conversations, and those conversations are recorded in the Jerusalem Talmud. Wasn't the Babylonian Talmud finished after the Jerusalem Talmud? Wasn't well, the Jerusalem Talmud was never finished. So the, the Babylonian Talmud was... But, but it wasn't, it wasn't correct. at a later time. Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> What's the time frame? You know, what years? For the Talmud? Yeah. The Mishnah... I think we say the Mishnah was completed around the year 70 or a little bit after and the Talmud maybe the year 300 and the Babylonian Talmud was like five or 600 wasn't it? Right. right Was that Iran or Iraq? It's a good question Iran is Persia that's where Shushan the story of Purim happened mm -hmm. Susa, study of Shushan, still exists today. Iraq is Babylonia. Let's read two more lines and then we'll conclude. First, we're on the top of page 176, right-hand column. For such was the usage of the language to call charity simply the commandment because it is the core of the precepts of action and surpasses them all. So here, next week, we'll talk about what this means, like Mark said. But what we know, what we're going to leave with is, charity includes all commandments. There's something special about charity that is inclusive of all the commandments. So let's summarize and put it together, and we'll take any questions. So in summary, we've learned that it is our goal to draw God down here. How do we do it through fulfilling the 248 positive commandments? How do we make sure no impurity comes into this world through holding back from the 365 negative commandments? 
Each soul we continue has a specific divine mission and area within this world it's responsible for. And see, maybe there's not enough souls to go around. We say, no, no, there's 600,000 souls, and each soul is subdivided into 600,000 times 12 within the 12, four worlds and three. What, sorry, what happens to the souls that aren't being used right now? I'm going to get back to that in a second. Okay. And Tanya continued that the soul did not come down here for itself. Why did my soul come down here? The question we asked at the beginning of class came down not for me, and, but for the world as a whole. Because for me, like we heard in that song, we lost out. But it's here to elevate the entire world. And we concluded at, with the question, why is charity called the greatest of all mitzvahs? What is unique about charity that it has more physical action than others? So Mark asked, what do we do with the souls that have not come down here? They're in a warehouse somewhere? It's interesting, they are in a warehouse. The warehouse is named Guf. Guf. And that is why we say that every Jewish child, the Gemara says, that Aim ben David Ba, Achikalu Kol and Shamay Shevakov, until every soul that's in this warehouse has come into this world. And that is why we say the birth of every Jewish child is a step further in the coming of Mashiach. You're right. There's a, a certain amount of souls that need to be born for Mashiach to come. So uh, we've got to do our part in bringing down those souls. Even though. Even though that's not what the soul wants, that's what Hashem wants. Correct. Now, I, you know, we, we had a one-sided conversation here. What I mean to say one-sided conversation is, we, you know, we made it sound like the soul is, is losing out. The soul has a lot to gain by coming here. After the soul leaves this world, it actually goes to a greater place, a higher place, connected to Hashem after it's done its job. So the soul gains from coming here. However... That's not the reason that it came here. It's for its own elevation. Hmm. It's kind of like you were saying before. When you go on a mission, you're on a mission, but you gain often more than you give. The soul is on a mission, but it still is going to gain more than it gave. Thank you very much.